ears wide open. A new series of podcasts provided by Anima Eterna Brugge. Third episode, a piano for Franz Liszt. Following my so rich and fascinating talk with Pierre-Antoine, Micolage, and Stéphane, it was clear that my next step in historically informed performance should be taken with Joseph Moog, the pianist who will play Liszt's second concerto with Anima in Essen. Joseph Moog is a versatile musician who plays modern pianos as well as 19th century instruments. His point of view would surely be compelling. A few weeks before the performance, we finally managed to arrange a phone call with this great musician. Joseph Moog, for this upcoming list performance, uh, you choose out of Jos van Immerzel's collection a Bechstein piano from 1870. First of all, I would like to know how you finally came to this specific instrument. Well, I was invited by Jos to visit him and to try his different pianos out of his fantastic collection. Um, I drove to his uh, um, studio and we, we went there and tried the instruments for a few hours. Then he let me, um, he locked me in <laughs> with his instruments and I um, had a wonderful time trying out these precious historical pianos, uh, most of them Erard and Pleyel. But then there was also this Bechstein instrument, and I knew um, that Bechstein used to be the number one piano brand in the world until approximately the end of the Second World War. Um, just to give you an example, I think on the Titanic they had four grand pianos, and they were all um, Bechstein. So I knew they used to be a big um, scintillating brand, and uh, um, many great pianists from the golden era They wanted to play nothing else but Bechstein. Um, now, I don't usually judge just by the brand. Um, there can be all kinds of qualities of instruments within any kind of brand. You can have a fantastic Fazioli. You can have a horrible Fazioli. It really depends on the individual um, instrument. And uh, this Bechstein from the 1870s had this particular um link, I would say, between historical instruments I knew and modern grand pianos. It was kind of a wonderful um, mix of the two. And it was astonishingly brilliant um, for a historical piano, but also had the warmth and the noble golden tone of the historical instruments. So I think this was a fantastic um, condition for the repertoire we are going to play. Um, especially for Liszt um, and the Schubert Liszt Wanderer fantasy. And the funny thing is that I learned later on when, when Jos returned to ask about my opinions, um, he told me that he had favored this instrument as well for the repertoire. But um, uh, he hadn't told me before, so it was really finding out um, and we came to the same conclusion. That's really, I think, uh, that's a wonderful uh, coincidence. And out of this historical concern, 
where they are in this uh, very peculiar instrument, uh, any special qualities that you immediately liked? Oh, yes. I think it's definitely um, a wonderfully well-balanced instrument, um, which is usually rare with the historical instruments. I grew up with um, a Blutner piano from the 1920s, so it's not too far away from my um, earliest encounter with piano sound in general. Um, there's certain similarities, despite it's much older than, than the piano I have at my parents' place now. Um, but it's um, it's very light in the handling. It, it feels very light. You can easily fly on this instrument. You don't have to force anything, and you shouldn't, because the sound is very rich in overtones. It's very um, brilliant but warm at the same time. And I think anything... Um, forced anything with too much power and force could probably destroy um, the, the 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 quality of this sound. I mean, it's um, it's a different way of playing. Let's say compared to modern instruments, you cannot um, exceed certain limits, but it's a different um, range of dynamics um, you 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 want to reach. I mean, it's more on the piano side. It's much more between piano and mezzo forte, and that's the area where modern instruments are quite flat, I feel. They are quite limited. You you don't have so much um, voice. The, the palette is kind of much more limited, and, and this is something I noticed during these two or three hours. It was not so much time, but um, what I discovered was that I will have to spend so much more time with this instrument to really... Um, get to know the palette and to really find out how it feels in the different registers. Joseph, um, I would like to know, we, we know that Liszt was very keen on Erard's of Pleyel's piano for his own performances as virtuoso. Uh, Joseph has many Erard's in his collection. Why did you finally not choose any of them but a Bechstein? Well, we know that Liszt, um, like you said, that, that, that Liszt really loved Erard and Pleyer. Um, he preferred those. Um, and I, I'm always careful with these things because sometimes um, it's a, it becomes a habit. You're used to using a certain brand. Um, today, it's mostly Steinway because you know um, how the mechanics in general feel. You have a certain... Um, um, comfort with the instrument and you are not so likely to change it if you're given the choice. Um, I know that from, from myself and many other pianists, um, for concerts, we don't like to take too many risks, of course, because it's already a risky uh, <laughs> endeavor. <laughs> um, but it was, it, was it was evident. I mean, we compared these instruments side by side and I tried them in the same acoustics Um, playing different bits of certain pieces, um, just a few seconds, and then changing the instrument. And um, I think it was, um, I would say, the brilliance and the um, the, 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 the sheer, um, I wouldn't say power, but it, it's very luminous, um, the Spechstein instrument. And I think especially the higher registers are very luminous, and I can imagine this would go extremely well with Liszt um, in the Philharmonie in Essen. And it is an instrument that really comes 
through the orchestra because it's so different from any other instrument. The players and the eras, and that's actually beautiful, are closer to um, to other instruments, uh, surprisingly, in their sound. They can sometimes sound like uh, woodwinds in the lower registers. They can sound like voices or strings even. Um, and the Bechstein is more... Um, more, 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 more distinctive piano sound. Um, I can't put it in better words, but this is, I think, um, in short, this is the main reasons for for choosing this one. You often play both modern and historical pianos. Uh, as a musician, do you have the feeling that uh, old instruments offer more possibilities for your interpretation? Well, I think. Um, I wouldn't say it's more opportunities, but there is more that the instrument will offer just by itself. I think the sound coming from the historically um, um, built instruments and from the instruments from the past, if they are in a good condition, they are they are much more personalized. They have much more of a, of um, an individual sound, and you don't have to make this come out it's just there and i think this is unusual at least for me um playing mostly on modern instruments um to to understand that these instruments bring something um to the table and you don't have to um make it happen it's just there and and this is a different approach i think i'm and most modern pianists are i'm used to um or we are used to making the sound um change and we are used to to find our own sound as much as possible on the different pianos we have. And I think in this case, um, you have to find out about the voice of the instrument first, and then you have to work with it, not against it. And this is different from playing on the modern instruments. They give you a certain standard, but then you have to add life to it. <laughs> and um, I think with the historical instruments a lot of times it's kind of the opposite they have their voice and you have to befriend with it um and if you don't then you better choose a different instrument because it's not really possible to um to force anything upon these instruments and i would i would ask at last uh, for this performance um you will play for the first time with anima eterna brugge Does being accompanied by an historically informed orchestra change your interpretation or approach of this music? Yes, I think it definitely changes um, the whole approach to the interpretation. Uh, it really changes also the view on the indications by the composers. Um, this is at least one of the experiences I made when I played recitals on um, historical pianos. I really re-elaborated um, the score because I, I finally understood why the composer wrote certain dynamics. Let's stay with Liszt. Um, I played the hexameron on one of the uh, historical instruments. I think it was a Bösendorfer from the 1870s. And I understood much more about the, the many fortes Liszt wrote in the piece. And I understood why he kept the forte for pages. Um, and it It's really different if you play it on on these historical instruments because then you understand why he did certain things. Um, and that's a very simple example. And I believe um, if you add um, 
uh, historically informed orchestra to that. You have a whole new dimension of um, of interaction between the musicians, and I'm really looking forward to discovering these new sound worlds on stage and, of course, also in the rehearsals. And it certainly takes time to adapt to the differences. I mean, the reaction of the instruments is different, the sound, um, the timing, the phrasing. Um, there's certain um, traditions that I might have to get used to. But I think in the end, it will be um, a life-changing, life-changing experience for me as an interpreter, no question. Those last conversations with Joss, Joseph, and Anima's musician was for me exactly how Joseph Moog just said, a life-changing experience. No more was I listening to music the way I used to. The musical world, the musical history, and the musical works seem now to be much richer, exciting, and full of new discoveries a living experience to share and not dead notes and scores. I really hoped then that Anima Eterna's forthcoming projects would give me the opportunity to continue my exciting journey with the orchestra. With mine and ears wide open. Join us soon in Here's Wide Open for a new episode. <laughs>